How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of The Geeky Gentleman, the podcast for all your geeky needs, fashion, and lifestyle tips, all rolled into one perfectly packaged podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking about the upcoming release of the film The New Mutants and how Marvel could possibly be adding it into the MCU. In the gentleman's portion, I'm giving you guys six steps to creating your very own podcast. Alrighty then, enough said, let's jump right into the podcast. Okay, so after watching the latest trailer for The New Mutants, I'm not gonna lie, to me it actually looks good, and even I'm surprised I'm saying that. I mean, after seeing the trailer and everything, I actually just really like all the actors that are portraying The New Mutants. Like, the minute they were cast, I was like, okay, I like the people they've chose. And I'm really just so happy that they actually kept them from their native countries with their accents. Minus Sunspot. He didn't necessarily sound like he was from South America, but I'll forgive it. And maybe he actually does. And just in that little clip that he speaks, you just really couldn't tell. But, you know, they made Rain Scottish and Ileana Russian. So I'm happy about that. One of the things I've that has really bothered me with the Marvel films is that they overly Americanize their characters and they take away their accents. For example... Halle Berry Storm, X-Men, you know, in the first one, she had an accent, and then every other time you saw her thereafter, she had no accent. It was completely gone. Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow has never, ever sounded Russian in any of the Avenger films. I mean, in the first Avenger, she was speaking Russian for like a hot minute, and then that was kind of it. And there are those who would argue, you know, she's a spy, so she got rid of her accent, so, you know, she doesn't sound Russian anymore. But, you know, we all know she used to be a Russian spy, and she used to kill people, so she doesn't have to hide that fact anymore from her friends who are the Avengers, so I don't know why she's still trying to hide the fact that she's Russian. And, I mean, we all saw the trailer for the Black Widow film coming out, and everyone sounds Russian in that film, but her. And even now, Marvel is slowly stripping away Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch's Eastern European accent, and it's pissing me off to no end. Keep her Eastern European Marvel, just keep the ethnicities in there. They're there for a reason, and it's better that way. But I digress. Now, The New Mutants is the last remnants of the X-Men films from 20th Century Fox before the Disney acquisition. Some people didn't even think this film would see the light of day, especially with all the delays. But now it seems that Marvel is finally happy with how the film is looking, and who knows, maybe with all those reshoots happening, they might make it loosely tied to the MCU. There was talk on like an official confirmation that New Mutants was going to be in the MCU on some D23 newsletter, but since then, Disney has removed it from the website, so, you know, maybe it was a little too early to announce it, maybe it was just a whole lot, like, we don't know. It was there for a hot minute, you can find it online if you Google it, but it's not there anymore. But if The New Mutants is actually a good film, I know it's hard to believe that Fox could make a good superhero movie after the entire mess-ups with X-Men, but... If it actually performs well in the box office, I wouldn't be surprised that Marvel decides to bring it into the MCU. With everything that Marvel has going on in Phase 4, let's see how Marvel could bring the new mutants into the MCU. Danny Moonstar, aka Mirage Danny's mutant power is the ability to manifest people's fears or desires as realistic illusions. So theoretically, could Danny have created the illusion of the demon bear, who's the main villain in the film? Or even more, could the entire scenario the new mutants find themselves in be an entire illusion created by Danny? Marvel could even say that the new mutants have been in the MCU all the time, but were just secluded off somewhere stuck in Danny's illusion. Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic. 
one of the new mutants that we're going to see is Ileana Rasputin. Now, for those of you who have no idea who she is, she's actually the younger sister of Colossus, who most of you already know because of the X-Men and Deadpool films. Now, Ileana is a super powerful mutant, and she has a range of superpowers, such as sorcery, she can use magic and spells. She has some eldritch armor, which she can summon, which is this mystical armor that increases her protection and physical strength. She has a soul sword, which is basically Ileana focusing all her life force into this powerful sword that has a wide array of mystical attributes. You can actually see the eldritch armor and the soul sword in the trailer for the new mutants. But the power we're going to be focusing on right now is her ability to teleport. In the comics, Ileana is a powerful teleporter with the ability to teleport through time and space while passing through a demon dimension called Limbo. Now remember Limbo, because that's going to be important later. During her youth, she had trouble focusing her powers and would accidentally find herself teleporting through time when she was only trying to teleport through space. What if her film adaption is able to teleport across multiverses? That would give a reason to how these actors can easily make it across into the prime MCU dimension with Ileana teleporting them there. Or maybe she senses a tear in the fabric of reality and uses that as an opportunity to escape in a post credit scene. A tear caused by... Wanda Maximoff, aka the Scarlet Witch. So we know crazy things are happening with the Scarlet Witch. With her upcoming Disney Plus series WandaVision, and starring in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I really think should still be called Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch in the Multiverse of Madness. It's long, I know, but I think Scarlet Witch deserves the credit. Either way, we know that Wanda's powers are growing to such an extent that she is warping reality. The use of Wanda as a plot device to bring the new mutants into the MCU isn't that strange, especially by comic book standards. We know there are so many different universes in the comic books already, and the MCU is establishing that in the films as well. Perhaps as Wanda descends into madness and starts to really mess up with the multiverse, she somehow merges the multiverses together and brings the new mutants into the main MCU universe. Stephen Strange, aka Doctor Strange. We know Doctor Strange will be dealing with the multiverse in his next film. We also know that Nightmare may possibly be the main villain in the film. In the comic books, Nightmare comes from a dream dimension and has the ability to draw power from the psychic energies of the subconscious minds of dreaming beings. But what if instead of the dream dimension, what if he comes from a demon dimension called Limbo? There it is, guys, Limbo. The same Limbo that Ileana passes through when she teleports and which is also the demon dimension that she eventually becomes the ruler of. In that way, we can see a scene where Doctor Strange senses Ileana because of her magic potential and brings her forth into the main MCU. I actually really like the idea of the New Mutants coming into the main MCU because of a connection between Doctor Strange and Ileana, or Wand and Ileana. Because Marvel has a prime opportunity to bring three of the most powerful sorcerers in the Marvel comics into the MCU and actually have them interacting on screen. In the comic books, both Wanda and Ileana have been tutored in their magic potential by Doctor Strange, so I find this team-up very, very exciting. And with that said, we're jumping right into the gentleman's portion of the podcast. So today is a special gentleman's segment. 
Last time I did a how-to segment, which was seven tips to becoming an influencer on Instagram. You guys really liked it. It did very, very well. So I decided to share with you guys some more advice, this time with starting your very own podcast. Podcasts are continuing to grow in popularity with more and more people listening to them. Since I started my podcast, The Geeky Gentleman, I've had so many friends reach out to me asking for advice on how to start a podcast. So I figured this would be a great segment for me to give you guys six steps on creating your very own podcast. Number one, topic. Needless to say, before you start a podcast, you have to figure out what you want it to be about. Some things to jumpstart your creativity to figure out podcast topics are, are you using your podcast to generate leads for your business? Are you wanting to use your podcast to make yourself a recognized leader in a certain field? Do you have an important message that you just want to get out to the world? Or is it just fun or for just a hobby? Have a good thing on what you want your podcast to be about, because obviously you're going to be talking about that topic a lot. For myself, I decided to use a podcast as a way to join two of my passions together, men's fashion and grooming, along with my love for all things geeky in pop culture. That led me to the creation of The Geeky Gentleman, a podcast for pop culture enthusiasts who have a big love for everything geeky, like Marvel, DC, video games, and all the other epic stuff, but also want to achieve their own level of gentleman status with my men's fashion and grooming tips. You want to make sure you have a good grasp on what you're going to be doing your podcast on so that you can efficiently create podcast episodes on a regular basis. Number two, name. If you know what your podcast is going to be about, then the next step would be figuring out what to name your podcast. You want something that's going to stand out and quickly tell your audiences what your podcast is all about. When thinking of your podcast name, make sure to keep in mind that you want to name your podcast something that will pop up when people go searching for podcasts. I chose The Geeky Gentleman because, one, I'm a sucker for alliteration and it sounds super catchy. Two, the title speaks for itself with my joint passion topics of geekiness and gentlemen's fashion and lifestyle. Number three, hardware slash software. So if you're continuing down the rabbit hole and you figured out the topic and the name of your podcast, what's next? Well, naturally, you're going to need some podcast equipment. Don't worry, I'm not going to break your bank account, but you should invest in certain pieces of equipment so that your podcast sounds professional. The last thing you want to do is create a subpar podcast recording and have that turn off your audience. When I started, I spent only 220 pounds on my equipment, and it's still the same equipment that I use to this day. What's even better is that I got it all on Amazon. I'll add the links in the caption of the podcast and the video caption for you guys. The first thing you need, and I cannot stress this enough, is a good microphone. It's the main component to making sure your voice is coming through clear, so don't skip out and buy a cheap microphone if you can afford to get a good one. After looking at reviews online by other podcasters, I ended up going for the Yeti microphone. That cost me £113. The microphone will be the most expensive part of your equipment that you're going to need, and I highly recommend you get a good one. I really love my Yeti, I have nothing bad to say about it, and the good thing is it comes in a variety of colors, so you know, you can pick one that's your favorite, and that is always a plus. The next thing I got was a microphone stand for 25 pounds. Now a tip is you want to make sure to get a good mic stand with a heavy bass. The Yeti microphones are not lightweight microphones, so if you buy a flimsy mic stand, it's gonna fall over because of the weight of the microphone. You're also going to want to buy a shock mount to hold your microphone to the microphone stand, and that put me back 75 pounds. 
The last thing you're going to need is a pop filter, which makes sure that you don't spit or get those popping sounds when you speak, and that cost me seven pounds. That's literally all the equipment that I purchased to start my podcast. In terms of software to edit your podcast, I used GarageBand that was for free and already on my Mac. So that's what I use, that's how I edit my podcast, and that's all you need. Number four, hosting server. You need to start thinking about where you're going to host your podcast. Your podcast needs to be on a hosting server. This is where you're going to upload your podcast, and from there it gets uploaded to the likes of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. There are a multitude of different hosting sites out there, and depending on how many podcasts you're going to be recording, you're probably going to have to pay. I personally use Buzzsprout, and that costs me $12 a month, and that allows me to record up to three hours worth of material a month, and it stays permanently on their server. Buzzsprout is super user-friendly, and I really can highly recommend it. I have no complaints about Buzzsprout. With Buzzsprout, I was able to upload everything from my podcast, like the podcast itself, the podcast bio, cover art, etc. And then from there, you can submit it to get approved for Apple Podcasts or Spotify and all the other platforms as well. I definitely can recommend Buzzsprout. Number five, cover art. Now, while you wait for your equipment to arrive, you need to start thinking about your cover art for your podcast. This is going to be one of the first things people see when searching for your podcast. So just like the name, you want it to scream what your podcast is about visually. If you can't think of anything off the bat, then take a look at similar podcasts and see what they're using for their cover art. Once you have a general idea, you can start creating something with Photoshop or Adobe Spark Post on your mobile, and you will end up with something pretty amazing, I'm sure. You 100% need cover art before your podcast is going to get approved on any of the podcast platforms, so do it. Number six, music. Your podcast is going to need music. If you listen to any podcast, if you listen to The Geeky Gentleman, you know that most of them and mine have an underlying track at the beginning and at the end of the podcast episode. Again, you can easily find royalty-free music to use, but I took the extra step and I used Audio Jungle, which has a plethora of music that you can pay for. It's a small fee, and it ranges from something like $16 to $50 per song, and then you can use that song forever on your podcast. Audio Jungle will have way more of a selection and higher quality tracks to use than if you use a royalty-free music site. And there you have it, gentlemen, six steps to creating your very own podcast. Once you've completed all six steps, all you need to do is record your podcast, edit it, and then submit it. So get creating and go forth and find your podcast audience, because they are waiting for you. A big thank you again for listening to another episode of The Geeky Gentleman. I would be forever grateful if you took the time to drop me a review. It would mean a lot. Feel free to drop me a DM on Instagram. I'm at DriftingDecal. If you have any podcast questions, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the new mutants popping up into the MCU. If you want more content from me, feel free to visit my blog at www.driftingdudes.com. And until our next podcast adventure, I will talk at you guys later. Bye.